Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the New Books Network. In today's episode, I'm talking with author Crystal Mazzola about her new book, Setting Boundaries, 100 Ways to Protect Yourself, Strengthen Your Relationships, and build the life you want. Setting boundaries can be tough. You don't want to disappoint other people, but you also don't want to be stuck in a situation that makes you uncomfortable or unhappy. The good news is that setting healthy boundaries is really a good thing that can make you happier and strengthen those relationships you were so worried about. So how do you get started? Well, setting boundaries is an important skill and the only way to get better is by practicing. In this book, you'll find 100 activities that will help you become better at setting boundaries. Dive into activities that will get you thinking about and practicing those boundaries that are most important to you. Whether you're a recovering people pleaser who want to build a new boundaries that match other changes in your life, These activities will give you the tools you need to get started. Boundaries are healthy, important, and even necessary to create the life you want. So start building your happier life today. Crystal Mazzola is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She founded the Healthy Relationship Foundation to help people experience greater self-love and deeper intimacy with others. Crystal is the author of two best-selling books, The Codependency Recovery Plan, A Five-Step Guide to Understand, Accept, and Break Free from the Codependent Cycle, and The Codependency Workbook, Simple Practices for Developing and Maintaining Your Independence. She also writes the blog, Confidentially Authentic, which focuses on mentally healthy dating advice. Crystal lives in Phoenix, Arizona with her husband and their two rescue pets, a cat and a dog. For more information, please visit her website at confidentiallyauthentic.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to the New Books Network. I'm Elizabeth Cronin, one of the hosts, and today I'm talking with Crystal Mazzola about her new book, Setting Boundaries. 100 Ways to Protect Yourself, Strengthen Your Relationships, and Build the Life You Want, starting now. So she's with us today to talk about this book. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for having me here. I'm so excited for this chat. And we were just talking a minute ago, this is the second time Crystal has 
been on the New Books Network podcast. Um, I've talked with her before about two previous books she's written about codependency. And I was just saying that it's very fitting that she now has a book on boundaries, since that is a significant issue for people who you would call codependent. So do you want to say a little bit about how you segued from your first two books into this one, or just about your interest in the topic of boundaries in general, or how you came to write this? Yes, absolutely. Thanks for the question. So as you mentioned, my first two books are on codependency recovery. Um, And one of the essential tools, in fact, it is the most essential tool to recover from codependency and have healthy relationships, we call it interdependent, is to practice setting boundaries. Our boundary system is the practice of healing and having healthy relationships. There's other tools such as Uh, self-awareness or healthy communication that go alongside with having healthy relationships. But fundamentally, we cannot have safe, close, intimate relationships without also negotiating how to have some healthy separate separation from other people. And I've been contemplating boundaries for a long time. I'm in recovery for codependency. Developing my boundaries was essential. I was, you know, a very classic people pleaser, predominantly in my romantic relationships is where it manifested and learning how to assert myself, share my needs, honor my needs, even if other people wanted, all of those things were essential to me recovering from codependency. It's truly allowed me now to have a life where sometimes I look around my life and I'm just amazed that I created this for myself after being in such a painful place of suffering for so long in my relationships and in my life. Uh, because codependency is also about how we perceive ourselves. You know, we accept the love we think we deserve and we don't set boundaries because we think that we're lucky just to have people in our lives with us. So if I set a boundary, they're going to leave me. I'm already a burden is kind of the thought process. But learning how to set boundaries, even though I was terrified, was essential to having the life that I wanted. And I really wanted to support other people, whether they identify as a people pleaser or codependent or not to really build the life that they want. Because whether people are struggling in unhealthy or unsafe relationships, or just kind of going through the day-to-day kind of uh, the normal kind of malaise or depression or anxiety that comes with our modern lives, a lot of us don't have the boundaries that we need to have the authentic life of our dreams. It takes a lot of courage to set boundaries around other people's expectations, what we're trained to, to want from the media or social media, what you know, our friends or family think we should want and to really set boundaries and say like, no, this is who I am. And this is what I authentically want, not only in my relationships, but just in my life in general, um, which includes how I see myself, my body, my relationship with money and all of that. So that's where it came from. Yeah. How prevalent do you think it is in the United, let's just say the United States, difficulty with boundaries? I don't think I've ever met a human being, let's say in the United States, that doesn't struggle with boundaries in some way. It doesn't need to manifest in the way that I was describing in our romantic relationships and not believing that we deserve anything like the codependent example that I've provided. But I think that a lot of us struggle with 
how do I set boundaries around my time? Like I have all these friends or family members that love hanging out with me and I love seeing them, but I'm noticing I'm burnt out all the time. My laundry is piling up. I feel guilty though saying no, like I, those things happen all the time. Or my boss is telling me that I have to work extra hours to get the promotion that I want. And this is going on endlessly. Uh, or even other things like I'm told that I need to look a certain way to value myself or have a certain type of lifestyle or house or car. I, those are all related to boundaries as well. The messages that we pick up that are not authentic for us, but the, when we like live our life in the way that quote unquote, we should live, that's a boundary issue actually. And so I've never met a human being who doesn't have struggles with boundaries on some level because it is difficult to navigate being authentic while having close relationships with other human beings. It's, I think, a core challenge of being human. So when I hear you talking, it makes me think, isn't just setting boundaries the same thing as saying no? That's a good question. <laughs> yes, and. So saying no is kind of one of the aspects of setting boundaries. So if I, someone asks me to go to their barbecue, but I need a day off, I am so burnt out, I need some rest, I can say no, and that's boundary setting. Great job. But also boundaries are around my relationship with food, with money, with my body. They're not really about saying no to other people. I guess we could say that boundaries are also about saying no to ourselves, saying no, you don't get to scroll on social media because it makes you feel worse at the end of the day. Or no, you have to go to bed right now because you feel better when you get a full night's rest instead of been watching TV. TV. So fundamentally, I think we can look at it as saying no, but it's going to be saying no to others, saying no to cultural messages, or saying no to ourselves as well. But there's a huge process in boundary setting that's really about assessing who we uniquely are, figuring our, our personal value system. I talk a lot about kind of only you know your own truth when it comes to boundaries, because it's about your personal experiences, your values. I would even say your intuition, you know what's right or wrong for you. And then you can say no to that, whether it's to others or yourself. But boundaries fundamentally require self-awareness and honoring that little voice inside of us that we've also been trained to not listen to because of kind of the myth of logic in our Western culture and that only science matters and we can't really quantify our intuition. So we discredit it, but that's really where we know where we need to say no or where we need to say yes. Right. Right. I totally agree. It's, it's super important to point out that it comes from something that is hard to quantify. It's just, you have that feeling. I often, I often sense a need for a boundary when I just feel like oh, I'm at my limit. Exactly. So our bodies are going to tell us a lot about where we need to set boundaries, but also being in a tuned enough to your body, to that sense of having enough to then do something about it. Yeah, that's so interesting because you can you can apply it in so many different ways, like right? Like if you're really attuned to your body, you know when you've had enough food to eat, so you know when you've kind of reached the limit or the amount you need. So interesting. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like there are gender differences? I, I'm just wondering, I, I see more women than I do men in my um, private practice. And I'm just wondering if women might be a little more inclined Mm -hmm. I appreciate that question. I, to be transparent, I see more women in my practice as well. 
And I think that there are gender differences in boundaries. I think that the thing that I see more with women, I don't, I see it with men. I do. There are absolutely men who identify as people pleasers who are, you know, codependent. Um, and you're seeing it more predominantly women saying that they're people pleasers. I also think that it might be more culturally acceptable for women to say that about themselves than for men to say that um, because of this idea of the strong man. Um, and so, but with men, what I see more often because healthy boundaries are kind of like this flexible bubble where we need to be vulnerable, but we also need to protect ourselves from others, say no, limit what we disclose to people if they're not safe or trustworthy, but it can be all or nothing a lot of the time. So the people pleasers are going to be the people who don't have boundaries. They say yes to everything. They take on other people's emotions, things like that. But then on the other side of things that I'm seeing more in male clients is they kind of hide behind a wall where they feel like they can't discuss feelings of shame or sadness. I see it with the couples that I serve. And at times they're they can't really connect with their partners because they feel that they always have to be strong, have it together, uh, be the dependable one. And so they're really hiding behind a wall. That's what I see more. So for male clients that I'm seeing typically with in couples, the work is to kind of let down that wall, let their partner in, connect more, have more genuine intimacy. It's, you know, even letting them themselves cry either in session or with their partner is such a huge moment of letting down that wall. And then for women, it's really about finding themselves, asserting themselves, believing in their right to have boundaries, even if other people don't agree with it or challenge them. So I see it in different ways, but I don't think it's, you know, any one specific gender is experiencing boundary issues. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that um, about that for for men, sometimes it can be a problem with too rigid a boundary, or I like what you said earlier, like maybe they put up a wall. And I just wondered if you could say something about what's the difference between a boundary and say a wall? Right. That's such a, such a great question. So a boundary still allows us to connect with other people. We can still be vulnerable. We can share as it feels safe for us. So as we get to know someone, we're going to let them know more about us than versus like the first time that we meet them. That's actually uh, no boundary. Uh, but so a boundary is kind of, we get to be close to people over time. We assess our trustworthiness. We get to genuinely connect with other human beings. We get to see them in clarity because we actually need boundaries to see people with more clarity. You know, when we're a mesh, that's kind of the clinical term for like uh, not having boundaries. When we're a mesh with other people, we can't really see them because if I'm a mesh with my husband or my wife, I'm going to think that they're, they feel or think the same way as me. And so when they have different opinions, it's going to be more of a cause for conflict or feeling hopeless about the relationship when actually that's just all couples fight. That's just part of being two separate human beings in a relationship. So with boundaries, you can still connect and share and understand another person's reality. With a wall, you're not disclosing who you are. You're not sharing your authentic self with anyone. Typically there's parts of you that you hide. You feel like no one can know about you. Um, of course, there's things in our culture that there are safer things to share about ourselves and less safe, but with a wall, we're not finding anyone that we can like maybe a safe community to share with or a safe person or even a therapist. Cause therapy is a place where we can at least have a confidential relationship where we can guarantee that that person's not going to tell other people as we learn how to 
let people in our personal life in, but a wall doesn't let other people connect with us. And sadly, it doesn't allow people to connect, um, you know, it doesn't allow us to connect with them either. So there's a real sense of loneliness, you know, without boundaries, you feel used, you feel exhausted, you feel resentful, but you feel deeply lonely with that wall. And it's kind of something you just kind of feel. And you know, we do have a crisis of loneliness in our country, and it's even greater for men who I, a large percentage of men in this country don't even have one friend now. And I think that speaks to the wall that I was talking about. Okay. So for people that feel like they're struggling either with loneliness or feeling overwhelmed by and depleted by all they, they are willing to do, so to the first step is to be able to sense into I'm, I'm feeling lonely or, or I'm repeatedly feeling overwhelmed or, or taken advantage of. So you do that. Then what, what can you do? I mean, the book is full of suggestions and activities and things and reflections and all that, but, but what, what for someone listening, would you say is like a good next step? Well, a great step as you're describing is, you know, uh, to name the process, name entertainment. We must first say what's happening so then we can find a pathway forward. Of course, in my book, you know, I really designed this. It's a hundred activities to guide someone from the beginning of what are boundaries. Let me understand the parts of being safe for other people and being safe for myself, like kind of laying the educational foundation that you might get in therapy and then really kind of living into it for yourself, especially depending on where you struggle with more, maybe if it's family or work or whatever, I divided it into different categories or time. But for someone listening right now, I think the first step is to just hold space for the fact that they might be walled off or they might be exhausted and have no boundaries or very little boundaries and have compassion for it to give themselves grace that they developed this way of interacting with the world and other people for valid reasons. A lot of times we develop a lack of boundaries or a walled off boundary system. And also in extremes, the more extreme our boundary system is and kind of the all or nothing, the more trauma we probably experienced. And trauma is just a wound. So maybe we experience like experiences of neglect or abuse growing up or bullying that made us feel not good enough. And so with the wall, we hide who we are from other people because it doesn't feel safe to connect. And with no boundaries, we give it all away because we feel like we're not worth anything. And so the first step is to just have compassion that this happened for a reason. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. It makes sense. And it's absolutely solvable. There are very tangible steps, which is what my book's about, to you know begin to set boundaries wherever you're at. But I do think that the first step is to just, it can be very embarrassing to realize that you have an all or nothing boundary system. And I think that that, that keeps us feeling more stuck and hopeless. So that's my, my first suggestion. I I think of, um, and I, I've thought of this looking at your book too, the work of Brene Brown and um, all that she's discovered about vulnerability and that like the most wholehearted people that we really feel good in their presence are people that have been willing to say, okay, yes, there might be a little something wrong with me. <laughs> you know, like I might have trouble with this or I might put up a wall or, and I, I think, you know, that's, that's the hard part about recognizing there's something you're struggling with is it makes you can make you feel very weak and vulnerable. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, in therapy, there's the cliche that when for people first come to therapy, things get worse before they get better. It's painful. It's uncomfortable to look at the areas that we're not as uh, skilled in, especially around because of messages around perfectionism in our culture and kind of having it all figured out and being able to do it all by ourselves. But being able to say, here's something that I'm struggling with, that alone requires a lot of grace. And it is absolutely, <sighs> sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, I, I was feeling really emotional thinking about that wholehearted living and how it really does require that we honor our deficits. It's something that I've, we don't ever finish. And actually I was thinking about how lately, you know, I had a milestone birthday and I'm just really thinking about the deficits that I can see in my own character and being compassionate with that. Um, and so we're never done as human beings. And so when we kind of see those areas that we're still not as uh, skilled in that we would like, it, it really is not a cause for a crisis because it's part of the human condition as well. It's exactly where I was, what I was thinking when you were talking is that I think a big part of it is our culture makes us feel like we can somehow move beyond being human and that it's possible to be perfect, but by nature of being human, we are all imperfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're never done. You know, I, I'm in recovery for codependency. You know, I've heard people call me the boundaries queen and that I still feel guilty at times. I still have to kind of assess, do I need to set a boundary here or do I need to be generous in this moment without, and I do that without being resentful. Like it's an ongoing practice. We develop these skills though, so it can become much more natural, but that doesn't mean that we erase the human vulnerabilities that we have it all figured out. We can't, you know, practice practice enough self-development to escape our humanity. Yeah, I think about that. And when you were talking about how, you know, you have to kind of just continue to practice these skills to develop them, and of course it will get easier. What do you think about how so many of us through our development learn to be really good people pleasers or learn to like put up a wall? I mean, what does that say about our culture? Oh gosh. How long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) That might've been a loaded question. Yeah. Well, I think it says a lot of things about our culture. I think it says that we don't like to be uncomfortable. And if someone has a different opinion than us, it makes us uncomfortable or a different need. I think that it's also about, I, I think that there's so many different avenues here and I think it's really loaded, but I want to take a step back and I want to say that I think that there's a lot of myths in our culture, especially that, you know, the myth of logic, the myth of sacrifice that we pick up. uh, I know we're talking about my book, but there's a great book called Break the Good Girl Myth, where she outlines these different myths around logic and sacrifice and how we've been trained to give these parts of ourselves up. But I really do think it's about comfort. I think it's about like keeping other people comfortable. I think that they're, I don't want to be too controversial. So I, I, I think though, that if we're trained to make other people happy though, we are also really good consumers and we're really good at spending money on things that don't matter to us, which kind of keeps certain systems going without us take kind of stepping taking a step back and saying this is enough this is what a life worth living looks like for me versus 
this is what I'm supposed to want. I'm supposed to always get the next promotion, the next higher income bracket, the next car, the bigger house. And I just keep us, I think it, we're trained to kind of stay on a hamster wheel versus being in tune with who we are because it would challenge a lot of the the status quo or the systems that exist in our culture right now. Yeah, that's interesting because, right, being in touch with your own intuition, kind of just knowing, being able to feel what you're experiencing in any given moment and know like this is pleasant or this is unpleasant and let that guide you is something that I think it's kind of socialized out of us in school even. You know how, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can remember having an answer that was sort of maybe fit what the teacher was asking, but it wasn't the right answer. And so you can have those repeated experiences where, oh, I thought I had something to contribute, but I was wrong, you know, and then you just start to not trust yourself. Absolutely. I I have many of those memories myself. I grew up going to Catholic school as well. So there was that extra element of, you know, the people who knew what was right from, you know, God, and that if I had different opinions, then I was wrong and I was bad. It's it's really interesting to reflect on. And, you know, it, it's a it's a nice part about your book, too, is that it's structured so that people can really reflect on different segments and different aspects of boundaries and different settings and all of that. Um, I'm wondering if you have one of your um, one, one activity or something you might suggest someone try if they thought they might be interested in the book and they just something they can do easy at home and, and get a sense of what, what you offer. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're coming up upon the holidays. So I think I'd like to talk about one that's time sensitive. I know people might catch this at other times, but in the book, I have you do an activity where you kind of, this is actually multiple activities, but I'll just kind of combine them. And at one point I have you imagine your ideal future. So you go into the future, maybe five years from now, you imagine that you have healthy boundaries. What does your life look like? Once you do this visualization, then you think about what that reveals about your values. So maybe you saw yourself getting along with your family members. So maybe that means you value peace. I'm just simplifying it to kind of. So then once you extract what your values are, maybe three to five things that your visualization about the future reveals about what's most important to you. Then like, or you see see yourself spending time with your children. So then that might mean that you know, raising your children, finishing out their, you know, childhood versus focusing on the next promotion. That's more of your value. It's like focusing on your children and the time that you have with them. Um, Then once you assess your values, then you think about authentic holiday celebrations, especially if you have children, there are so many messages about what you should do. And like, I have so many clients who transparent mothers who exhaust themselves throughout the year, but then the holidays are this extra level of exhaustion and resentment and suffering for them because they're trying to give their children the best holiday season. And so I have a lot of empathy for that, but this authentic holiday celebration is about really getting in touch with your values. So picking one of these values, let's say it's peace, or connection, like time with loved ones versus doing lots of activities. Some people it's adventure, so that might be doing lots of activities. But if it's peace, then you think about the things you need to say no to during the holidays and the things you need to say yes to. 
So if I value peace, maybe I'm not going to invite uh, a couple family members who always get into a big argument for a certain holiday celebration. Like I'm going to just kind of keep it small, maybe just focus on me my spouse and my children and just let people know, like, we're just keeping it small this year. Or if I am value intentional time, then I pick one activity per holiday, Halloween, Thanksgiving, that I do something extra special with the kids. We go pumpkin picking for Thanksgiving and that's it. Or I guess that would be Halloween. <laughs> and, you know, oh. and yeah, both. And so you just pick one activity at a time versus, because there are things you need to say yes to with healthy boundaries and things you need to say no to for healthy boundaries. But your values really help connect you to, like we're, we keep talking about intuition and knowing yourself, your values are gonna make that clear. And so really thinking about the value that you wanna bring into your holidays. So when I hear you say that, I think about all the clients um, that I know that would say, well, I value avoiding conflict. And so if I'm going to change something, like I usually invite everybody for a big Thanksgiving and I'm not going to do that this year. I'm like, how am I going to avoid conflict? Because that, that probably matters to me more than anything else. Yeah, that's such a great point. In the, in the book, I support people in figuring out their authentic values versus what they think they should or fear-based things. Like, Because avoiding conflict isn't a genuine authentic value around what makes our life worth living, what makes us feel like we're living with integrity. Integrity means wholeness. Um, so the book supports people in kind of identifying the authentic values. But just to kind of play with this example that you gave, I would ask that person, you know, if I was speaking to them, okay, I hear that you value avoiding conflict, but let's, you know, imagine that we're going to the, you know, end of your life. You've had a full life, you know, with your family, your friends, your work, and that you're at the end of your life. And let's say throughout all of these years, you prioritize avoiding conflict above all else. What do you think you would think or feel if that had been your guiding light for your entire life? Yeah, that's, that's powerful to think that, to think of looking back and sort of what would you celebrate and what would you regret? Mm -hmm. And I think that that question reveals, no, I don't think avoiding conflict is my top priority. Right. So I think there is a lot of fear behind not setting boundaries. Can you talk about the fear? Oh, absolutely. And we, so courage is not the absence of fear. It's feeling the fear and doing the important thing anyway. And setting boundaries takes tremendous courage. It gets easier. It gets a lot more natural. And as I was just speaking to, you can be developing these skills for many years and still require courage in setting this. It's normal to be afraid of disappointing the people we care about or the people that have expectations of us, you know, or that, you know, we work for. It's normal to fear disappointing them, fear retribution, fear, negative reactions. That is all normal because we're designed, you know, attachment theory talks about how we're designed to be close to other human beings. It's not a weakness to care about what other human beings think or feel or how they might react. But the courage is so essential because when we set boundaries with people, we really get to assess if they're healthy or safe for us or not. For example, if we set boundaries with a friend, like, hey, you know, I need you to show up on time. And if you're, you know, 15 minutes late again, like, I'm just going to leave, you know, if that friend 
name calls you or criticize you, criticizes you, for example, they're revealing to you that they're not someone who has the capacity to respect you at this time, that they're not fully a safe person for you. It doesn't mean you need it in the relationship, but it is information that there's a reason why you might feel strife or discomfort in this relationship because they're not fully safe for you. And so when you have that courage though, you get to see who's unsafe, but also what's amazing, the positive consequences, you get to see who's safe and who can celebrate you and who you can become more intimate with because the more someone respects our boundaries and says like, oh yeah, no problem, I'm so sorry. Like, absolutely, I can respect your need for your time to be respected. The more people do that, the closer we feel to them, the more intimate we become. And intimacy is something we can have with, you know, family, friends, partners. And so that's the beauty in it. It Like, of course, it's scary, but there's also gifts in it. Really wonderful, beautiful gifts. So the courage part, I get that. You have to have the, the courage to act despite the fear. But I feel like you also, you have to have a sense of worthiness, like, you need to care enough about yourself to be willing to advocate for yourself or to be assertive or express yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of a a cycle. You know, if I don't care about myself, it's harder to set boundaries. It's scarier, but the more I set boundaries, even when I'm scared, the more I start to see that I am a person of worth, that the more I self-protect, the more I love myself. So I, you know, transparently in my worst parts of my codependency, I absolutely hated myself. And I was very self-destructive. I did not believe I deserved boundaries. But the more I started to take space from relationships that were hurting me and started to kind of say yes to helpful things or no to unhelpful things, that includes with myself, like behaviors I was doing, the more I started to say, wait, I... I have worth, you know, everyone has worth. Like I started to kind of play with that logically. And then the more I set boundaries, the more I felt it. So I actually don't think if you're someone who doesn't fully love yourself right now, I don't think you can get to total self-love without practicing the courage necessary for, you know, self-protection. You know, there's a therapy model called dialectical behavior therapy. And one of the skills is just opposite action. It's like, We all, the urge of fear is to avoid or procrastinate, to not set boundaries, for example. And then opposite action is just being willing to do the important thing anyway. So the more willing we are to set boundaries, even though we're terrified, the more we're going to say, wait, I am a person of worth. And then we're going to be so much more comfortable setting boundaries in the future because we see our worth and value. Right, right. I I love dialectical behavior therapy. It was one of the first um, models I was trained in. And I also like it, the distress tolerance module as well. It's it's all about, you know, recognizing that sometimes we just have to be uncomfortable. To do the right thing, you have to be uncomfortable. I think it's another, you talked about myths earlier, it could be another myth that everything is supposed to be pleasant and easy, mm-hmm. you know, and that especially relationships, that a really good relationship, like you're, with your best friend, there should never be conflict. There's, no one should ever disappoint each other. No one should ever have a difficult conversation. So yes, I really do like that acting opposite, you know, working on your distress tolerance, those things are helpful. And again, I really want to just want to go back to the book since we're kind of talking about um, the areas you talk about in your book. I also though want to say that it's helpful to have a strategies and skills you can be working on and exercises you can do and things that support reflecting and getting a deeper sense of yourself and your values. 
I also think is really helpful. And I think you've kind of alluded to this in some of your, um, just when you thank people for supporting you and all that, the relationship part of it too, I think is really important. I think it can be hugely healing and you can set better boundaries when there's someone that's guiding you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I love, you know, the myth that you identified around, like that we should always be comfortable, you know, like the toxic positivity myth, you know, there's a head talk and oh I'm forgetting her name right now but she has such a lovely point that only dead people don't get inconvenienced by their emotions and don't feel uncomfortable emotions and so to that point of the myth of comfort there's also this myth that we have to do it ourselves or it doesn't count all by ourselves and codependency is all about that like really struggling with support seeking and accepting support and believing you're worthy for it but in general i think with we have alongside that toxic positivity we have a lot of individualism in our country that says you have to figure it all out but no we don't have to reinvent the wheel there are people who can guide us there are people who can support us the, the book that i wrote you know on setting boundaries it's part of, it's the first of a series called therapy within reach which is all about the different skills that you might learn with a therapist and you can absolutely use it as a supplement to therapy. Highly recommend that if you believe that that's something that would be useful for you if you can access um, a therapist. At the same time, this book is different than other books because it's literally a hundred activities that are guiding you along the way. You know, from beginning to assess what communication skills look like, like what is assertive healthy communication, what isn't, and like kind of using a TV show, for example, to do that, like just kind of step back, kind of figuring it out to really those um, more tangible skills of learning how to assert yourself, like with a script, um, whether it's at work or with a partner, like literally what to say when you set a boundary. There's also skills around kind of more Um, personal things like your own relationship with your body and how you take care of it and how you feel about it. And then the really more advanced skills around forgiving yourself, forgiving others, making sense of like, am I getting stuck on something that's a past behavior of someone like, you know, maybe my mom, like I'm resenting her for something that she doesn't do anymore. It happened in childhood, but she's healed. So do I need to forgive her or is there still active abuse going on and kind of figure like assessing all of that and then figuring out where do I need to let things go and where do I need to keep protecting myself? Nice. That's nice. Nicely said. Cause I, cause I think that's a part of what therapy can do help you um, reflect on review, go over all of that and sort it out. You know, I think we also really tend to forget that we all have a history and that our previous experiences are part of how we perceive the present moment. And so without, without taking some time and maybe getting some support around doing that, it's really hard. It's really hard to know what's, what's affecting you in the moment. Absolutely. And to your point around our experiences, if we didn't have healthy boundary setting role models growing up, which a lot of us didn't for a variety of reasons, we can't know just by kind of directing ourselves. There's that's why, you know, we, we all need one another. And so that's why these supports exist. Like I think about it, like, yes, I can go to the grocery store by myself, but I couldn't grow, like uh, grow the wheat, you know, mill the wheat all and make the bread. Like there's so many other things we need other human beings, whether it's for personal development or literal survival. And that's why it's so useful to um, seek out therapy or seek out tools like 
the book that I've written around setting boundaries. Nice, nice. Well, you've given us a lot of your time and I want to save a little bit of time though for you to share a little bit about what what you're working on right now. You mentioned something about a series about making therapy accessible. Yes. So I, the publisher has created a series called therapy within reach. Um, This is the first that they put out. I think that, you know, it's about kind of seeing first how, um, where the needs are in the, in the collective, so to speak, around what the next books will be in the series. But it's really about making therapy skills accessible. That's why it's 100 activities. This book is, you know, not something that you can just power through because you can't just power through therapy. It's things that you read, you reflect on, you integrate into your life. It's really just a guide throughout your, like really throughout your process of setting boundaries. Um, And so these other books are going to be around other topics around personal development to gain those therapy skills, whether you can work with a therapist or not. But it's clear that there's a lot of barriers to accessing therapy, whether it's um, therapists who specialize in your concerns or affordability or whatever it might be. And so this book is the first of that series. But also personally, I am working on Uh, I see clients in my private practice, but I'm also uh, authoring a blog where every single week I'm writing mentally healthy dating or relationship advice. Um, It's called Confidently Authentic, same website, confidentlyauthentic.com. And I'm really passionate about that right now because while I really believe in books, I believe in general, the written word can guide us so much on how to heal. And I wanted to make these concepts accessible for all. So whether someone even has the money for a book right now, which can be an investment for some people, there's lots of skills and tools on my website. Hey, that's great. Is it focused on romantic relationships? I... Mostly it's around romantic relationships and dating, but then there's a lot, it's confidently authentic. So it's a lot around your relationship with yourself. I'm really passionate about self-love and cultivating self-worth because it is the foundation of everything. That's great. That's great. I just, I laugh. I remember when I was like a, a teenager or maybe even younger, and I used to read this like ladies home journal, um, can this marriage be saved? And I mean, I was way too young to be even in a relationship, but I felt like I was learning a lot about relationships by just, so whether you're, you know, dating or not, you could probably pick up some tips from your blog. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, it was really nice catching up with you and hearing about your new book. And um, I hope people will will visit. We'll definitely include information about um, about your website on the blog post and people can find your book wherever it's wherever they like to buy their books. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been wonderful talking with you.